0: Of your C podcast, you know we like to say we're a daily show. We talk about sports, obviously, movies, music, books, things that are going on in the country, random side tangents about the way people are or the way the world is or society or presidents or you know all kinds of stuff. We like to talk about it all. But today, not gonna sugarcoat anything. Episode 176 of Edge of Your Seat Podcast is nothing, nothing but sports, and we love it. Our guest, Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp coach John Jackamic and Hall graduate, plays for Black Hawk College, and he is now playing baseball with the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp, which is a college prospect league team giving kids an opportunity to look, maybe get signed, to join a farm system, MLB team, you know, as they're moving through college. Scouts galore, opportunity to play. That's what the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp is, and now they brought it to Peru. It's awesome. I haven't got to check out a game. I wanted to be at the home opener, and then it got moved because of weather. I was like, man, I'm going to this game, I'm going to this game. I Text coach John Jackamick and he goes, I got good news and bad news. I'd love to talk to you and we're not going to have to have you have a press pass because this first season, the initial season, we're not going to charge people for tickets because we want to show them the awesomeness of being at this ballpark, watching this team and everything that we got going on and it's going to rain we're going to have to cancel it. Got moved to a Saturday doubleheader which would have been May 29th. So they started the season on the road, May 27th, got a win. Then they had the home opener, which was supposed to be the 28th, moving to the 29th on a Saturday, already way booked up, could not make it. <sighs> we will get to a game, I promise. We'll be there, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, for sure. So we got John Jack Mick, Sedich. We're also going to have two sound bites from different coaches. The Hall baseball team on Friday won a regional semifinal in Spring Valley at Kirby Field against Hersher. Hall being the number one, Hersher being the number eight. We will get to all the details. I wrote down some notes as I was calling the game for WLPO, not calling, I was actually color. My guy, my friend, WLPO sports guy, Jeremy Aiken was the play-by-play I love being his partner. It's awesome doing games with him. Going to do another one tomorrow, which is Monday, June 7th, today being Sunday, June 6th. Been trying to get this episode out for a couple days, but baseball games came up. I'm also coaching youth soccer. Had a game there, had a couple practices, and trying to get a spot where I could get as much Illinois High School postseason in on one episode. Or maybe not just one, but try to get it while it's not playing and move it in together. So we had to wait till Sunday. We are going to have scores, talk, rundowns of action from Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. As baseball, softball, girls track, and girls soccer are all in the postseason same time. Woo. And this next week, boys track's going to start. So we got a lot of things going on. Lots to talk about. Man, going to be a lot of fun. So, like I said, we have Tom Keegan with the Hall baseball team. And we also got a soundbite from LaSalle Peru, softball coach Randy Huby. The Lady Cavs were upset by number four Sterling. LP came in as a number one seed, Sterling a four. Sterling won the game 5 1. Heartbreaking loss for LP. A Amazing win for Sterling. Sterling obviously advancing LP season over. Randy spoke with Kevin Klum with the News Tribune, my former boss. We are still great friends. He knew I was at the Hall game. I knew he was at the LP game. We're like, hey, let's work together like we used to. Actually, he said that in a text. He's like, hey, you want to do me a favor? Send me something from the game. I'm like, you're at LP Sterling, right? He's like, yeah. Send me a clip there. I'll send you a clip and it'll be awesome. And that's what we did. Hopefully we can keep this working deal going on. I mean, that's awesome. Helping each other out, getting some real words, real thoughts from the people being part of it instead of just you know, us narrating. That's the beautiful thing of this. So he helped me out, I helped him out. So I have words from Keegan and from Brandy Hubie. Lots of things to talk about. This is all sports. All sports, all sports, all sports. If you're listening to Edge of Your Seat Podcast, you probably know it's gonna be, you know, a lot of sports. Well, this is 100% and you're gonna love it. Before we get to breaking down the IHSA postseason and then going to the Pistol Shrimp representatives, let's talk a little bit more about the Pistol Shrimp. Wasn't Dupage in 2019, but had to move sites. Coach John Jackamick will talk about that. He does say what had happened, why we're in Peru, Asked him a couple tough questions, and he gave me honest answers. It was a wonderful thing. But now that they've moved to Peru, John Jacobick looking for some local players, and he's got three. One being Chance Resetic in the season opener on the road on May 27th. Resetic had three RBIs in the very first game. He now has four on the season, and he is third on the team. There are two players from LaSalle, Peru. Pitcher Jake Dahl. At the moment, he has four innings pitched, allowing six runs, four Ks, five walks. His ERA is at 13.50. Doesn't sound like a great line. We do have to give Jake some credit and some props because he is coming back from Tommy John surgery. So, little rough transition here, but he is a good pitcher. I'm sure he'll find his way as he keeps playing. And Coach Jackamick also notes this and says like, hey, we're going to string him along, let him get some innings, but we're not going to push it too hard because we know what he's battling from. Also from LP is Nate Hackenberger, who has been in the lineup the last few games, filling in spots, helping out the Pistol Shrimp. They had a game today and actually just finished. I made sure I waited to do this intro, so I had the most accurate record for the Pistol Shrimp. They are now three and eight. They got their third win today on Sunday June 6 with a 4-3 victory over Rex which is a prospect league team out of Wabash Valley it's awesome having a team here you know past high school yes high school sports is amazing little leagues cool but so is big time ball with legit players from colleges all over the country there's players from California University of Illinois University of Iowa local players, just a great mesh of different kinds of talent from all over the country at a big boy stage. They sell beer, it's a real baseball atmosphere like you're going to a Cubs game, a White Sox game, a Cardinals game, get a hot dog, watch some great baseball. I'm really glad they're here, gonna try to make as many games as possible and I definitely influence you to do the same thing. Don't wanna say anything more about the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp, Coach Jackamick and Chance talk everything we want to know about this new team, the Pistol Shrimp. So let's get into the Illinois High School postseason. This segment is brought to you by Shimmer Medota Ford, a community dealership that is here for you. On Wednesday, June 2nd, regionals for baseball and softball started, girls' track sectional started and sectionals for girls soccer continued, because they had already started on our last episode, 175, we had updated you, talked to you about the first round of the soccer sectionals. Now we got the second round, getting the quarterfinals done, waiting for the sectional championships to be played this upcoming week on Tuesday. Just remember, you might not know who I am if you've never listened to the show before. I am Brandon LaChance, your host. Thank you for listening to us, as always. Didn't mean to interrupt the high school segment we got going on here, We got to put a name behind the voice for sure. Let's get right into baseball. This season, because of COVID-19, it is a little different. It's not the class 2A Mendota sectional or anything like that, and then you have the subsectionals. Still have the subsectionals, but now instead of having a school name or a town or anything, it's just sectional... One sectional, two sectional, three, all the way up to eight. And for regionals, it's not a class one A Granville Putnam County regional, no, it's just class one A regional. There's no name, and at the regionals, whoever is the lower seed, that's where the game will be played. So, for instance, this first section I'm going to talk about class one A, so sectional one of class one A in a semifinal. Number two, Newman, defeated number 10, Morrison, 6-1. That game was played in Sterling, Sterling Newman. The other semifinal leading up to the regional final was number three, Fulton, against number six, Amboy. Fulton won the game 13-3. It was in Fulton. So that's how all these are going to be. Not going to say that every time where it was played. Just know the lower seed was where the game was at. And each sectional has two subsectionals. I'm only going to break down the games, the sectionals, subsectionals of the teams we're following. That is 47 high schools. So there's a lot in here, a lot in here, but it's awesome. So we got to, right? We got to break these down. So like I said, Newman defeated Morrison 6-1, Fulton defeated Amboy 13-3. Now Newman and Fulton are going to meet Monday, 4:30 for the regional final. The second sectional for 1A, number three, St. Bede. Defeated number six Salmonack 9-6, the Bruins move on to Monday 4:30 p.m. for a regional final against number two Yorkville Christian. That was the first subsectional, and the second subsectional in a quarterfinal. Number nine Earlville, defeated number eight Hinckley Big Rock 7-2. This moved Earlville into a semifinal, where they lost to Newark 14-0. In the other semifinal, figuring out who Newark's opponent was going to be in the championship, number five Serena defeated number four Indian Creek, 7-5. So this sets up number one Newark against number five Serena, four thirty Monday in the regional final. In the third sectional, first subsectional in a semifinal, number one Putnam County handles number nine Princeville, 14-1. In the other semifinal, Number four, Anawan Weathersfield defeats Woodland 9-6. In that game, Colton Quagliano, who is going to be a guest on an episode real soon, had three hits, two of them being triples, and an RBI. This sets up a regional final, 4-30 on Monday, between Putnam County and Anawan Weathersfield. That is going to be a great game. A lot of these regional finals pretty much are sectional championships. Like That is the buzz, the feel. Of these games. Putnam County and Juan is definitely one of them. Actually, Newman and Fulton is the same vibe and so is Newark and Serena. All three of the games that are set up for regionals have that vibe where they're more than regional championships. In the second subsectional of the third sectional, in a quarterfinal, number seven Midland defeated number 10 Galva 15-5. However, Midland ran into number two Williamsfield in the semifinal and we're defeated 9-2. The other semifinal figure out who's gonna play Williamsfield. Number six, Roanoke Benson, upset number three, Henry Sananchuan 8-6. So now 430 on Monday for regional final. Number six, Roanoke Benson meets number two Williamsfield. Moving on to two-way. Sectional one, subsection one in a quarterfinal, number eight, Mendota. Defeated number nine, Oregon, 16-9. Talk about a high-scoring game. However, Mendota couldn't match Princeton in a semifinal as the number one-seeded Tigers defeated the Trojans 15-0. Princeton now moves on to meet number four, Rock Falls, in a regional final, 4:30 Monday. The second subsectional of the first sectional. In a quarterfinal, number seven, Burrow Valley, Defeated number 10, West Carroll, 10-0. Moving on to the semifinal, Burrow Valley couldn't get it going against number 2, Stillman Valley. And Stillman Valley defeated Burrow Valley, 11-1. In the other semifinal of that bracket, third-ranked Byron defeated number 6, Erie Prophetstown, 7-6. Setting up a regional final, 4-30 on Monday, between number 2, Stillman Valley, number 3, Byron. That's going to be a great game. In the third sectional, first subsectional, the semifinal, the game I was talking about, Hall defeated Hersher, 7-0. Hall being the one seed, Hersher being the eight seed. This sets up a matchup for a regional final, 4.30 p.m. Monday, against Marquette. Marquette, in a regional semifinal against Seneca on Friday, wins 4-1. Marquette was actually the lower seed, 5. Seneca was the 4. Marquette pulls it off. 4-1. This sets up a game between Hall and Marquette. Let's listen to Tom Keegan as we spoke after the game after the Red Devils defeated Hersher 7-0. I mean, beautiful day for some baseball and your team pretty much played that way. 7-0 win over Hersher and looked like your team was doing everything that you would want them to.
1: Yeah, kind of curious what we were going to get just because we'd had a you know kind of a sizable layoff. We haven't played since last Saturday and you know, he can practice so much, but eventually he got to get between the lines and play. But uh, with Trez on the mound, Trez just kind of did what he does and offensively able to get enough and uh, made it stick.
0: 17 Ks, you can't really ask for much more from a pitcher.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's not a whole lot of defense to play, but uh, again, he was you know, pounding the zone for sure. and You know, we needed it, so now we move on. Even when,
0: like you just said, that there wasn't much defense needed play, they were still making the smart heads-up plays. Yeah. Garland over first, stops the ball like he's a catcher, gets to first. I mean, they were still doing
1: what they needed to do. Right. Drake has handled it well this season. Um, and, again, he's just a uh, junior for us and, you know, kind of settled into the corner spot there at first base. And, like you said, uh, just to be able to smother it, get back up, and then uh, go get it unassisted, that was, that was nice
0: offensively you know we see your scores every game all year some are huge 17 to 2 wins or you know the 10 run rules and things like that this was kind of workman effort i mean seven runs and you know run here
1: two runs here run here you know it wasn't sexy by any means but i mean we've been you know kind of Jekyll and Hyde sometimes just in terms of our offense just in in some of the numbers that we put up so we've had some games where you know we've had limited opportunities but we have made the most of those opportunities so but again we were able to uh, kind of spread it out throughout the course of the, the game today.
0: Marquette won the other semifinal. you'll play them in the regional here
1: on Monday what's that mean for you? It just means a, a rematch of the game that was a pretty good game roughly about three weeks ago. Whenever you play Marquette, you know, they're going to be fundamentally sound. They're going to pitch it, they're going to pick it, and they're going to put some good swings on it. So, you know what, it's a, it's a game that's going to have a lot of importance to it, obviously. You should have a nice crowd, and I think both squads will probably play it the right way. We'll see what happens.
0: Definitely. Is that like kind of a rivalry game?
1: Uh, you know what, we've, we've always love to compete against one another I guess you could say if they want to call it a rivalry I guess you can but it's just uh, you know I think two good teams just kind of going at it.
0: I mean two of the best teams if you ask me especially in the last five to ten years in the Illinois Valley so it should be a great game. Right. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Not
1: much to say. After I kind of set so, that up for
0: the podcast yeah. there. <laughs> All right perfect. Big thanks to Tom Keegan for Speaking with us after the win against Hersher. A little more breakdown into that game. Hall is now 21-2. and Hersher ends their season at 10-25. and Mentioned 17 Ks. Trez Rabarchik He's a senior for Hall and he had exactly 17 Ks. He had seven straight at one point in the game. Just wheeling and dealing. Did some things on the plate as well, but he wasn't the only one. Scoring started in the bottom of the second, as Hall took a 1-0 lead. Jack Savage hit a RBI single, scoring Alec Bulak. The bottom of the third, Hall took a 3-0 lead, scoring two runs, as Trezor Barczyk hit a sack fly, bringing in Mac Resetic after he hit a triple, getting to third base. The second run in the inning came as Alec Bulak hit an RBI double, scoring Peyton Plim. Hall added to the lead in the bottom of the fourth, scoring two runs, as Peyton Plim hit a two-RBI double, scoring Trezor Barczyk and Gabe Lucas. In the sixth, the Red Devils added two more again, as Trezor Barczyk hit an RBI single, scoring Mac Resetic, who is Chance Resetic's little brother. And the seventh run of the game also came in the bottom of the sixth, as Peyton Plim scored on a Jack Savage sacrifice RBI. So that's how they got it done offensively. Can't say much more about Trez's awesome effort on the mound with the 17 Ks. Like Tom Keegan said, when there was a defensive play needed, his team rose to the occasion and took care of business. The other subsectional for the third sectional started off with a quarterfinal. Number seven, Fieldcrest defeated number 10, Woodland, 14-1. They got to the semifinal, but the Knights couldn't hang with number two Reed Custer as Reed Custer defeated Fieldcrest 13-3. The other semi-final, number three Cole City, knocked out number six Pontiac 17-7. Setting up a regional final, 4-30 on Monday, between number two Reed Custer, number three Cole City. That's going to be a knockout, dragout type of game. And sectional number four, the second subsectional, in the quarterfinal, number 10, Kiwani, their season ended as they lost to number seven, Tremont, 4-3. Moving on to 3A in the second sectional, first subsectional. In a semifinal, number one, Sycamore, routed number eight sandwich, 13-0. The Spartans will now play Burlington Central in a regional final, 4-30 Monday. Also in a semifinal, Number two, Dixon, knocked out number seven, Rochelle, 14-13. 27 runs in one baseball game. That's crazy. I believe it went into extra innings. I want to say 12. They were going at it. Just going, going, going. That was a duel of all duels. With the win, Dixon now plays number six, Freeport, in a regional final, Four thirty on Monday. In the other subsectional of the second sectional, a lot of seconds and sectionals, and they all kind of sound the same. Hopefully, you're sticking with me. If not, send in any questions that you have, Podcast at gmail.com. You can also send us a message or hit us up on Facebook, Edge of Your Seat Podcast, and Twitter, Edge of Your CP. To continue to listen to Edge of Your Seat Podcast, don't know where you're listening to this one, but you can catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and our website, www.rss.com backslash podcast with an S backslash Edge of Your Seat Podcast. In a semifinal, number eight Sterling fell to number one Rockford Boylan, 12-3. The other semifinal, figuring out who's going to play Rockford Boylan in a regional final, number five Geneseo beats number four Rock Island 6-5, setting up the meeting between Rockford Boylan and Geneseo 4-30 Monday. In another semifinal in the second subsectional, number six Plano, fell to number three Hampshire, ending the Reaper season at 13-15. In the sixth sectional, first subsectional, the semifinal, Ottawa knocked out Morris. Ottawa being the four seed, Morris being the five, the Pirates take it 3-2. This sets up a regional final for Ottawa, 7 p.m. Monday against the number one ranked Washington squad. The second subsectional, LaSalle, Peru came in as the seven, falling to number two Dunlap, 1-0. The other semifinal of that bracket, number six streeter, upset number three Galesburg, 7-6, to set up the matchup between 6 streeter to Dunlap, 4 p.m. Monday. In 4-A, first sectional, first subsectional, DeCalb came in as the 5-seed and fell to Harlem the 4-seed 10-8, ending the barb season. That is a wrap-up of the baseball. Regionals. We're moving on to the finals coming up on Monday. I will be at Spring Valley once again for WLPO. Hopefully we'll have words with Tom Keegan. Hopefully a player. The way Hall does their after game workouts. It's kind of tough to get them sometimes, especially when you're wrapping up a radio broadcast. Get to them. But I'd love to talk to Trez. Love to talk to Mac Resetic. They're playing great. Awesome kids. It's good to see. Hall moving on, but this Hall Marquette matchup is going to be nuts. I'm glad I'm going to be there. Let's move on to softball in 1A Section 2 Subsectional 1 Quarterfinal Number 7 Earlville knocked out Number 10 Indian Creek 5-3. Moving to the semifinal. Earlville got another victory, beating Number 2 Woodlands Academy 2-0. In the matching semifinal, three Marquette knocked out. Six-seeded Chicago Hope, 13-0. Against Marquette, Irville's luck, skill, momentum couldn't match up. As in the regional final, Marquette got the plaque with a 14-1 victory. Marquette moves to a sectional semifinal. It's going to be played 4:30 Tuesday against number one, Dwight. In the other subsectional of sectional two, Newark. Got a win in the semifinal, number one seeded Newark. Got a win in the semifinal over number eight, Willows Academy from Des Plaines with the 7-0 score. In the other semifinal, number five, Serena knocked out number four, Walter Christian from Melrose Park with a score of 9-2. Setting up a regional final between Newark and Serena, Newark gets the win. Winsome Hardware, 14-3. Sets up a sectional semifinal 4 30 on Tuesday between number one Newark and number two Milford. Third sectional, first subsectional in a semifinal, number four Henry Sanantuan beat number five Galva 7 0. However, in the regional final, number one Williamsfield knocked out Henry Sanantuan 10 0. The other side of the bracket. The semifinal. number three, Anawan Weathersfield defeated number six Fulton 7-2. Anawan Weathersfield keeps it rolling in the regional final with a 6-1 victory over number two Monmouth Roseville. The Lady Titans getting it done, they now move into the sectional semifinal, 4:30 Tuesday against Williamsfield. in the second subsectional of the third sectional. In a quarterfinal, number eight Amboy defeated number nine Morrison 7 0. However, the hot streak did not continue as in the semifinal, top seeded West Central knocked out the Lady Clippers 15 0. In the other semifinal, number four Newman knocked out number five Woodhall Allwood 5 2. In the regional final, Newman got the victory 7 5 over the top seeded West Central. Big upset win for Newman. They're going on to a sectional semifinal against Princeville. Princeville got there by defeating Midland in a quarterfinal 7-0. Then they played the winner of Peoria Christian in Putnam County. Peoria Christian, the sixth seed, upset Putnam County 4-2. Princeville beat Peoria Christian in the regional final. That's how they're meeting up against Newman. Class 2A, first sectional, first subsectional. In a quarterfinal, number eight, Burrow Valley knocked out number nine, West Carroll, 13-3. The semifinal, Burrow Valley couldn't keep it going. Number one, Stillman Valley, 115-0. In the other semifinal of that bracket, number five Princeton fell to number four, Riverdale, 6-1. In the second subsectional quarterfinal action, Mendota got a 13-3 victory as the Lady Trojans were the 7th seed and the Lady Tigers of Byron were the 10th seed. However, got to the semifinal, number two, Oregon, knocked out Mendota 5-0. In the regional final, Oregon took home the hardware as they defeated number three, Erie Profitstown, 2-0. This sets up a sectional semifinal for Oregon against number one top-seeded Richmond Burton, 4.30 p.m. on Tuesday. Sectional 3, second subsectional. In a quarterfinal, Hall got a victory over Fieldcrest. Hall, the 9th seed, Fieldcrest, the 8th seed, the Lady Red Devils with an 8 6 win. In the semifinal, Hall fell to number one Olympia 15 0. In the matching semifinal, the Lady Bruins of St. Bede came in as the five seed and defeated number four Eureka 16 3. Olympian St. Bede met up in the regional final. The Lady Bruins came up a tad short, 4-2. The other side of that regional for the sectional pairing. In the semifinal, number two, Kiwani beat number seven, Rock Island Ulliman, 4-1. Then in the final, Kiwani kept the momentum going as they defeated number six, Monmouth Roseville, 12-2 to become regional champs. This sets up a one vs. 2 as Olympia and Kiwani will meet in the sectional semifinal 430 on Tuesday. Sectional 4, first subsectional, in a semifinal, number 1 Seneca knocked out number 9 Reed Custer, 10-0. In the matching semifinal, number 5 Cole City defeated number 4 Woodland, 6-0. In the final, Seneca got the best of Cole City with a 4-3 victory. Another number 1-2 matchup, 4.30pm on Tuesday as Seneca the 1, Normal University the 2 meet in a sectional semifinal. Moving on to 3A, second sectional, first subsectional in the semifinal. Number 2, Rock Island took out number 7, Dixon, 8-3. The other semifinal, number 3, Geneseo, KO number 6, Rochelle, 2-0. Moving to the regional final, Rock Island knocked out Geneseo with a 1-0 victory. Geneseo ends the season at 20-5. In the second subsectional of the second sectional, semifinal action, number four Sterling knocked out number five Freeport, 4-1. Then the regional final came, Sterling upset LaSalle, Peru, 5-1, ending the Lady Cavs season. As previously mentioned, we got a soundbite from Coach Randy Hubie about his Lady Cavaliers.
1: What are
2: your thoughts on how you guys played today? I I thought we played hard. Um, I think looking back on it, we tried to reschedule some games. and We had one canceled that they refused to reschedule, which hurt us. I think being off them playing the other day helped them a lot. Um, That was the same team I went and looked at for this game, and we were too, just, she has them ready, I'm not going to diss them, then she had them ready, they, they earned that game, we just didn't play up to our standards, I think we played hard, but it wasn't what we've done all year, and I told them to come back to them. we keep waiting late, we've had all these late, all these late wins, and, and sooner or later it's going to come back and us, and it got us today, so, um, Becker played pitch great. Um, I probably could have pulled her a little earlier, but they weren't really getting hard contact, so I kept it in. there. she was struggling, but they weren't hitting her hard. I mean, the, that, those last two runs. I mean, brought Chloe in. She almost got out of that. And just I can't blame her. She got a nice. Nice pitch. The girl just got enough to get it over the infield. So, I mean, I, that, that was a great pitch. The girl fought it off and did a good job with it. Hats off to them. and they, they won. Do I think the better team won. You know, I'm not going to say that. Um, I think the better team today won. But I, I, uh, this team, I could not be fodder of them. I'm going to miss. I'm going to miss these seniors, especially the ones who have been with me three or four years. So, oh, yeah. That was tough up out in the outfield. Oh, yeah. I mean, um. Uh, and then... I came into it knowing that we could lose this game. They're good. I, mean, I, I, I knew that it was it. was a brutal regional, and when they got the five seed, I was like, they're not a five seed, and, and you know, we got them. So, I mean, not saying we wouldn't have lost to someone else, but I mean, that's a pretty damn good five seed. So, yeah. What are your thoughts on the girls coming back, man? The what? The girls coming back. Yeah, a lot of girls back. Well, we talked about out there, and, and actually the seniors pumped them up. And I mean, you got two very good sophomore pitchers. It's only going to get better. I mean, if we can find someone to replace uh, Alex- Alexia, Michael, and, and uh, Gibson there, we'll be all right. I mean, that's going to be tough to replace. But, I mean, the defense they all three of them gave us and, and the clutch hitting, that's going to be a tough for But we do have some girls who can do that. And if the pitching keeps going, I mean, you can imagine these sophomores and seniors. Yeah. I mean, we weren't looking for this year to be the year, but it turned out being a pretty good year. So I told the girls, it'll be sad today, but a week from now, you're going to be like, wait, we're on a darn good team.
0: That was LaSalle Peru softball coach Randy Hubie sharing some words after the LaSalle Peru Lady Cavaliers softball team. Fell to Sterling 5-1 in a Class 3A regional final. You no, know, that was tough for him. It's been with these girls a long time, and they've been building and building and building. This year was an amazing year for them. State ranked, took a number one seed. You know they wanted to go a little further, but sometimes things like this happens. Sounds like he's gonna deal with it the way he's got to deal with it. Always tough to be the losing coach, but he has always been a class act, and I'm sure, I am sure, the Lady Cavaliers are going to come back next season mad, revengeful, not happy, ready to win some baseball games and go further in the playoffs. The other side of that bracket in a semifinal, number six, Sycamore, defeated Burlington Central 15 9. Then in the regional final, Sycamore took it with an 11-7 victory over number 2 Belvedere in an upset effort. This sets up the sectional semifinal between number 4 Sterling and number 6 Sycamore 4:30 p.m. on Tuesday. Class 3A Sectional number 5 in the first subsectional. In the regional final, number 1 Ottawa defeated Marion from Chicago Heights Five zero. This sets up a sectional semifinal between Ottawa and number two Oak Forest, 6 p.m. on Tuesday, in the second subsectional of the fifth sectional in 3A semifinal action. Number two Morris beat Plano 17-0. Plano was the seven seed. In the other semifinal, number three Providence Catholic defeated number six Sandwich 13-3. In the final, Providence took out Morris, 11-1. In the sixth sectional, first subsectional, number three Streeter fell to number six Dunlap, 5-3. In class 4A, sectional one, subsectional one, DeKalb won the semifinal as the five seed taking on the four seed Auburn from Rockford, 4-0. However, they got to the final and fell to Harlem from McChesney Park, 6-1. Ending their season. That is all of softball. Let's move on to girls track sectionals. All kinds of athletes that we've been paying attention to going to the IHSA state track meet, which will be next weekend. Congratulations to them. It's an amazing feat. Amazing proof of what they can do. It's awesome. In the 1A Winnebago sectional, Team scores, Winnebago took their own sectional with a 163, Rockford Christian was second with a 76, Oregon was third with a 68, and Byron came in fifth with a 54. After the first three, we're just going to say the scores from the schools that we're paying attention to. In the 100, Byron Jr. Megan Jackson is going to state as she finished second with 13.3 seconds. Remind you, the first two finishers in each event are going to state, and then there's a list of qualifying times for each event. If anybody besides the first and second place finishers meets that time, then they will also make it to state. In the 300 hurdles, Byron Jr. Elena Julian finished in a time of 51.69 seconds for second place. In the 400 relay, Firing advances with Samantha Bitts, Elena Julian, Megan Jackson, and Ava Milburn as they finished with a time of 51-41. In the shot put, Oregon had two advancers. Senior Brenna Noon was first with 40 feet, 7.4 inches, and junior Janae Bottle was second with 38 feet, 7.7 7 inches. In disc, Bottle won it all to go in two events to state with 36 feet 22 inches. Oregon senior Lydia Jermak is joining her Oregon teammates as she made it in the long jump with a leap of 16 feet 0.4 inches. The Byron 800 relay made a state qualifying time they finished third which wouldn't have got them to the state meet but with one minute 50.62 seconds Macy Stoddard Elena Julian, Megan Jackson, and Ava Milburn made it to state. The Class 1A Seneca sectional has all kinds of advancers as well. Seneca won their own sectional with the 163. Newark was second with the 84. Indian Creek took third with the 68. Ninth was Salmonok with eight. Hinkley Big Rock took 10th with five points. There was a tie for 11th as Earlville had four. Marquette had four and in 13th place was Serena, with one point. In the 400, Newark senior, Brooke Kala finished in one minute, 4.6 seconds, for second. In the 800, Seneca senior, Amber Vroman, was second, with two minutes, 27.2 seconds. In the 1600, Vroman, going to state again, with a time of five minutes, 46.97 seconds, for second. In the 3,200, Indian Creek sending two sophomores. As Jolie Larson won the event, 12 minutes, 15.6 seconds. Carolyn Bend was second with 12 minutes, 29.6 seconds. In the 100 hurdles, three local athletes are going. Winning the event was Newark freshman, Kira Wessa, with a 15.90. Seneca senior, Brooklyn Gertz, was second with a 15.92. And Megan Williams, Jr. from Newark, was third with a 16.23, which is a state qualifying time. In the 300, Brooklyn Gertz going to state again. The senior from Seneca finished the hurdles in 48.02. In the 400 relay, Seneca won with a time of 50.9 seconds from Caitlin O'Boyle, Emma Smith, Brooklyn Gertz, and Anna Bruno. Newark was second, also advancing in the 400 relay with a time of 51.72. Kiera Wessa, Lindsey Hattaberg, Megan Williams, and Brooklyn Hattaberg were the members of the relay team to get the job done. In the 800 relay, Seneca won with one minute, 50.42 seconds behind Caitlin O'Boyle, Emma Smith, Faith Deering, Anna Bruno. And just like the 400 relay, Newark took second in the 800 relay with a time of 1 minute, 50.82 seconds, Peyton Elk, Megan Williams, Kira Wessa, and Brooklyn Hattaberg. 1600 relay, Seneca gets another relay victory. Four minutes, 25.15 seconds, Anna Bruno, Aubrey Jenkins, Amber Broman, Emma Smith. Seneca getting the job done, that's for sure. Seeing where all those 163 points came from. 3,200 relay, yep, Seneca won again. 10 minutes, 54.11 seconds behind Marie Shureskic, Kelly Pumphrey, Audrey Jenkins, and Delaina Welsh. Shot put, Newark Jr., Kirsten Fredsted won with a 36-foot, 8.7-inch heave. Discus, Faith Deering Jr. from Seneca, 125 feet, 9 inches for the victory. In the high jump, Brooke Probst, a junior from Indian Creek, won with five feet, 2.8 inches. Kira Wessa, freshman from Newark, who we've said her name a couple times. She had a high jump of five feet, 2.1 inches. She is also going to state. In the pole vault, three people qualified for state. Seneca Senior Brooklyn Gertz, 12 feet, 3.3 inches. Reagan Gibson, a freshman from Indian Creek, and Tegan Johnson, a freshman from Seneca, both had pole volts of 10 feet, 7.6. In the long jump, Tegan Johnson, the freshman from Seneca, going to stay in another event as she took second with a leap of 17 feet, 6 inches. Finishing in third with a state qualifying leap, Anna Bruno, sophomore from Seneca, said her name about four times, which is amazing for her, 16 feet, 5.3 inches to go to state again. In the triple jump, Indian Creek Junior, Brooke props 32 feet, one inch, to get the job done. Class one, a Rock Ridge sectional. Team scores, Sherrard won with an 81. Erie was second with 75. Burrow Valley had 58 points for third. Amboy, 56 points for fourth. The Lady Bruins of St. Bede had 37 points for seventh. Twelfth was Newman with nine. Thirteenth was Putnam County with seven. Thirteenth was Hall with seven points. And in the tie for 13th place, Putnam County and Hall had seven points each. In the 100, St. Bede sophomore Anna Lopez ran at 13.27 for second place. In the 200, Junior Lauren Althaus, representing Amboy, finished in 27.10 seconds. The 400 was also Althaus, in one minute, nine seconds. The 100 and 300 were both won from Amboy freshman, Ellie Jones. In the 100, finished in 16.03. In the 300, 48.96. The high jump was won by Tegan Tillman, senior from St. Bede, with four feet, 9.8 inches. Second was Jade Aber, senior from Burrow Valley, with four feet, 8.2 inches. Long jump, Burrow Valley senior, Cameron Cobb, 16 feet, 6.9 inches. Second in the long jump was Ellie Jones, the freshman from Manboy going to state all over the place with 16 feet, 2 inches. Triple jump, names we've said before. Senior, Burrow Valley, Jade Aber, 35 feet, 7.9 inches. And finishing second, Ellie Jones with the Quafecta going in four events to state. 35 feet, 1 inch in the triple jump. Class 1A Knoxville sectional. Farmington won with a 66. Knoxville was second with a 64. And tied for third was Anawan-Weathersfield and Stark County with 62s. For Anawan-Weathersfield advancing, in the 800, freshman Kennedy Anderson. 2 minutes, 25.1 seconds. Anderson also going in the 1600 aka the mile with a time of 5 minutes 27.41 seconds as she finished 2nd. The 400 relay team finished 2nd to go to state in a time of 53.08 seconds Allie Sellis, Danielle Johnson, Madison Rusk and Kaylee Sellis. Throwing shot and going to state was junior Cassidy Miller. She won the event with 36 feet 5 inches. The Class 1 Tremont sectional, El Paso Gridley won with the 127. Tremont was second with the 64. Henry Midland was third with the 60, and Fieldcrest came in tenth with 17 points. In the 400, Henry Midland Jr. Nikita Kessling with a one minute four second run. Carol McGow, sophomore from Fieldcrest, was second in the 300 hurdles with a 51.88. In the 1600 relay, Henry Midland won with a 4-minute, 25.72 second run. Daphne Kessling, Jersey Johnson, Nadia Kessling, and Nikita Kessling. Lots of Kesslings in these relay teams. Shot put, Henry Midland, Lanny Lester, she's a sophomore, was second with a 33-foot, 2-inch throw. In the discus, Lester's going to state again. 122 foot, four inches. Nikita Kessling also going to state again in the long jump with 17 feet, nine inches. Let's move on to two-way in the Plano sectional. Team scores, Aurora Rosary won with a 152. Dixon was fourth with a 57. Sycamore fifth with a 41.5. Six was sandwich with a 28. Rochelle was seventh, 25 and Plano had 12 points for 9th place. The 200, senior from Sycamore, Mackenzie Rezard, 26.71 seconds. The 1600 was Dixon senior, Jade Miller. She took second with a 5 minute, 26.1 second run. The 3200 was finished in 11, 50.03 by Dixon freshman, Emma Smith, for a second place advancing time. Shot put. And discus. Sandwich sophomore Claire Allen going to state. In the shot, she won with a 40 foot eight inch throw. In the discus, she took second, 131 feet 1. 1.6 inches. In the high jump, Carissa Clausen, a sophomore from Sycamore, 5 feet 1.5 inches. She won the event. Rochelle Jr. Tegan Myers was second with 5 feet half inch. Class 2A Geneseo sectional, Geneseo won with a 160, Galena was 2nd with a 115, Sterling had 54 points for 3rd, LaSalle Peru took 6th with 31.75 points, 7 was Morris with 30, Streeter was ninth with 20, Kiwani came in 10th with 16, and Princeton scored 10 points for 12th place. Advancing in the events, in the 100. Geneseo sophomore Edison Pischke was second with a 13.0 second run. In the 800, with senior Esther Brown, a friend of Edge of Your Seat Podcast, from Geneseo, she took second with a 2-minute 28.52 run. In the 1600, Sterling sophomore Kylie Nicholas was second with 5 minutes 42.03 seconds. In the 3200, sophomore from Morris, Joy Dudley, 12 minutes, 49.01 seconds. In the 100, local athletes took first and second from Geneseo, Junior Ali Raps, 15.36 for first, and LP Junior, Emily Strell, 16.32 for second. The 300 also had locals in one and two. Allie Raps taking another victory with 46.31 seconds. And straighter sophomore Abby Pierce was second with 49.87 seconds. In the 400 relay, Morris was second with a run of 51.92. Maddie Rushing, Alexis Johnson, Kyla Kajusvic, and Ava Smith. In the 800 relay, Geneseo won 1 minute 47.74 seconds behind Addison Pishke, Sierra Kruger, Phoebe Shoemaker, and Allison Bowers. In the 1600 Relay, Geneseo wins again, four minutes, 4.65 seconds behind Addison Piskey, Allison Bowers, Annie Wirth, and Allie Raps. 3200 Relay, Geneseo again, 10 minutes, 8.7 seconds behind Avery Megaker, Jackie Flowers, Phoebe Shoemaker, and Esther Brown. In the shot put, Streeter Senior, Lena Crow. 39 feet, 7.9 inches. In the disc, Geneseo freshman, Olivia Marshall, 106 feet, 2 inches. In the high jump, Geneseo sophomore Annie Worth back in the winning circle with 5 feet, 3.8 inches. Taking second with sophomore from Kiwani, Larissa Meyer with 5 feet, 2.1 inches. In the pole vault, Geneseo senior, Evie Wilson took second with 10 feet 7.6 inches in the long jump. Annie Worth once again winning with 18 feet 5.3 inches in the triple jump. LaSalle Peru junior Emily Strell 34 feet 6.4 inches wins the event, and Sterling sophomore Alice Sotello takes second with 33 feet 7.5 inches. In the Class 3A Roselle, which is Lake Park, sectional, Batavia won it with a 128. DeKalb was 11th with 22 points. The lone advancer for DeKalb was Soraya Watson, who finished 2nd in the 400 with a run of 59.49 seconds. Congratulations to all those track athletes making the state meet. That is not an easy feat. And congratulations to everybody that has the opportunity, the ability to say, hey, I made an IHSA state track meet. Congratulations. Girls soccer. We already talked about the first round of the sectionals, but now we had the quarterfinals. In the class 1A Oregon sectional, Princeton, the one seed, won a quarterfinal, defeating number four, IBC, which is out of Chillicothe, 9-0. The Tigresses will now play number two, Rockford Christian, in a sectional semifinal on Tuesday at 5-30. The other side of the bracket, number one, Byron, was upset by number four, Rockford Christian, as they fell 1-0. On the other side of the bracket, number three, Oregon, advances, defeating Number two, Peoria Christian, 4-1. This sets up a sectional semifinal between Oregon and Rockford Christian, 4-30 p.m. on Tuesday. The 1A Hersher sectional in a quarterfinal. Hersher, the top seed, knocked off number five, Cole City, 6-1. The 2A Peoria Richwood sectional in a quarterfinal. Number four, LaSalle, Peru, fell to number one, Morton. 8-0. 8-0. Also at the Peoria Richwood sectional, number two Geneseo fell to number three Peoria Notre Dame 2-0. Class 2 a Lamont sectional. Ottawa fell in a quarterfinal to Joliet Catholic as the number one beat the number four, 14-0. In another quarterfinal at the Lamont sectional, number two Morris defeated Streeter 3-0. Morris will now play number one Lamont in a sectional semi-final, 6 p.m. on Tuesday. Class 2A Freeport sectional in a quarterfinal. Number three, Dixon, knocked off number two, Kaelin, for one. Dixon will now meet Freeport on Tuesday in a sectional semifinal. Time is to be determined. Woo, that was a lot of sports stuff. Hopefully you stayed in there with us. Man, congratulations to all the teams, all the individual athletes doing their thing going to the next level of the postseason man it's fun to talk about it's fun to go over it's fun to discuss with you happy 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 we got a season we got a tournament man it's been so long since we had an ihsa state tournament and we got one for our spring sports that we're gonna say are summer sports since it got pushed into the summer i know kids want to enjoy their summer vacations but hey Sports are important too, and they're finally getting to do what they want to do. That super high school sports section playoff edition was brought to you by Shimmer Mendota Ford. Mendota Ford is a community dealership dedicated to being community first. After a bad 2020 in every sense of the definition of bad, like every single way that you could describe that word, Mendota Shimmer Ford wants to make 2021 as amazing as it can, with style, comfort, and great deals. Stop by and see the last 2020 Ford Escape that is at Shimmer Mendota Ford. It is redesigned, and it is priced for you to get in it, cruise off the lot, enjoy your ride home, go into the driveway, the garage, with a huge smile on your face. And that is just one of the few options at Shimmer Mendota Ford, as they have a huge selection of new and used vehicles on the lot and even more on the website www.mendotaford.com. Whether you shop online or at Sherman Mendota Ford located just south of Mendota on Highway 251, manager Ski Hartman and his associates Jason Hintz and Doug Safranik will use their expertise and understanding of the vehicle you're looking for to help you roll through 2021 just the way you want. Call 815 815- 539-9314 for all vehicle inquiries at Shimmer Mendota 4. Well, that was a super long intro of super awesome information. I kind of want to do it again. We'll just put it on the end of the interviews. We'll have a five-hour episode. Eh, or maybe not. Did it once. Hopefully, you got all the information that you wanted to. Hopefully, your teams are still alive in the postseason. For the teams that are not, great season you had to battle so many different things this year keep your head up even though you lost you're amazing in my book for doing what you were able to do with everything going on and the teams that won best of luck moving forward you know edge of your seat podcast is going to be paying attention and talking about you because that's what we do here thank you to all the listeners for listening to edge of your seat podcast wouldn't be here without you appreciate you listening Love talking to you about these sports and bringing great guests to chat with you. So here is coach John Jackamick with the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp and one of his players, Hall Graduate, also playing at Blackhawk College and now a member of the Summer Pistol Shrimp, Chancellor Settich. Enjoy it. Share Edge of Your Seat podcast with your friends, family, anybody else that listens to the podcast. We will be back soon, very soon. Until next time, peace. It is Memorial Day. Happy Memorial Day to everyone. For Memorial Day weekend, we had a special treat in the Illinois Valley, and that was the home opener of the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp. And we had to, had to get some representatives on about this team. First year in Peru, college prospect league team. We got the coach right now, John Jackamick. How's it going, John? It is going very, very well. Happy Memorial Day to everybody. Very special day. Always got to throw out Happy Memorial Day to everybody that fights for us, right?
3: Absolutely, especially you know. I would note um, our home park is Veterans Memorial Field, so it's, it's very near and dear to uh, all of us uh, on the team and in the organization. So we don't uh, we don't take today for granted. So we're we're very proud to be able to play uh, at Veterans Park and and honor those who've fallen uh, so we can actually get to play a game.
0: Definitely. And I love Veterans Park. It's kind of out in the middle of nowhere. It's by an airport, by a cemetery, by a dog park. It can get very, very breezy. But looks-wise, playing baseball there, fantastic place to play baseball.
3: Yeah, I would agree. Uh, You know, this our home opener on Saturday was the first time um, I've – seen a game played there and, and for the bulk of our players other than our, our our local players that was certainly the first time that they got to to see a game there so in many ways that was a scouting opportunity for us just to see how our ballpark is going to play i mean if you're at the games uh it's pretty clear the the day game when the uh when the temperature was up and the wind was blowing uh it really turns into i was telling the, the fellows in the dugout plays a lot like uh, Coors park in colorado where the ball Uh, tends to fly, but um, as we got into the evening for the second game, it really played uh, much more like a traditional ballpark, so it'll be interesting to see uh, what it looks like on on Tuesday, or actually Wednesday night, which will be our our next home game um, against Danville to see how the field plays. Definitely. So you
0: mentioned home opener on Saturday was supposed to be Friday got pushed because of weather. You know, we're in Illinois. It's the end of May. That thing will happen. Those kind of things will happen. You had your season opener on the road on Thursday. You also played a game on Sunday. So four games in you're one and three winning the first game on the road losing the next three besides the win loss record. How do you feel about this team so far opening the beginning of the season?
3: It's really tough to tell in the sense that we're fortunate in a couple of respects. Number one, and we're not, but the other teams in the Prospect League have the same challenges, but our roster is thin right now because a lot of our full-time contracted players uh, have literally just ended their season yesterday. A number of them will be going on to an NCAA regional next weekend. So I can't really answer that question really for another week or two because we won't be a full team. Uh, for another week or two. We've been, as I said, blessed to have some temporary contracted players uh, helping us fill out our lineup. I've been very pleased with the quality of play uh, that they've brought to the table. Pitching is also a challenge this time of year. Most of our pitchers uh, will start to trickle in next week. So we're looking at this uh, as an opportunity to uh, evaluate not only our uh, our talent and what we can do as a team, but also – the other teams in our division that we're going to be looking at. So we're taking it one day at a time. Our roster is literally changing uh, daily. We had a couple roster changes today with, with guys coming into town. So, you know, what you'll see uh, over the next week or two is more and more players will be trickling in. I know I'm getting questions from the host families on when their player is going to arrive. They're excited to have their player get into town. So all that will be happening in short order. The the quick answer is we are who we are at the moment. Uh, There's no glaring holes. Uh, We need to, I think, uh, put the ball in play a little bit more. I'm not thrilled with the number of strikeouts, uh, which is really just giving away uh, innings that the defense doesn't have to work. So We need to definitely uh, improve on that uh, starting tomorrow uh, on the road at Danville, which is another small ballpark really lends itself towards offense. Is that
0: an issue that surfaces every start of a new season where you're waiting for players to come in because of you know college postseasons and things like that? Is that an every year occurrence?
3: Well, it's an every year occurrence except for rarely has it been this dramatic. And the reason for that is uh, as a result of COVID, most of the major conferences push back their regular season uh, start date and end date an, an additional week in a typical year. Uh, The Prospect League always starts the last Thursday in May. Um, Most clubs will need anywhere from one to three temporary contracted players to help them fill in. Uh, Most of the guys will have been back by then. But this year, as I said, most of the major conferences pushed back another week. The net result of that is a significant uh, drain or or, or pressure on the clubs to to find uh, temporary players. In our case, we've got Uh, nine temporary contracts out of the 17 guys that are active right now. So um, that's highly unusual. We said College Prospect League. What is the age range and what exactly is the Prospect League? Yep. so the Prospect League actually has a long history uh, in Central Illinois in particular. It used to be called or originally was called the Central Illinois Collegiate League. A lot of older folks my age know it as the CICL. And that goes all the way back to the 60s. So um, when the CICL, in 2012, it merged with some professional teams, some independent professional teams that were exiting the Frontier League and switching to the collegiate amateur model. Uh, It was at that time that the two, the CICL and those teams coming out of the Frontier League, formalized the Prospect League. Uh, So the intent of the Prospect League, dating all the way back to its roots as the CICL, Uh, has always been to provide college ball players the opportunity on a very small sample size to get an idea of what it's like to play professional baseball in the the sense that you're playing baseball every day, you're on a bus every day, you have to deal with uh, recovery and all that kind of stuff. So the players in the prospect league, they all have amateur eligibility. Um, They're all either at an NCAA-governed institution or an NAIA institution or a junior college. As a league, we're allowed to sign uh, up to four high school players that have just graduated their senior year this spring. And we can also sign, I think this year it's up to six graduated seniors that will have exhausted their college amateur eligibility um, and still, still want to be able to play uh, one last summer uh, in hopes of getting signed. How many of those high school and
0: college seniors do you have on this squad?
3: Great question. I've got two high school seniors. Uh, One of them, uh, Casey Cummings, is from California. He's an outfielder going to the University of San Diego. And then we've also got uh, Evan Clark, who's from Illinois in the Chicago area. Uh, He's a left-handed pitcher who's going to go to the University of Southern California. And Evan just got back into town from high school uh, yesterday, and he's going to make his prospect league debut tomorrow night uh, at Danville. Awesome. You just mentioned California and
0: some of the other places that these guys are from. Where are some of the other players from? Or is it kind of all over the country where your players come from?
3: For our team in particular, um, they, they come pred- predominantly from um, either you know the Midwest area or california uh which is where i hail from but we get we do get guys from all over um in a, in a perfect world and what you'll see next year with our roster is from my perspective the ideal roster makeup is uh roughly half your players will come from will be born and raised and play their high school ball in the illinois valley area now they may play college uh at miami ohio or, or wherever uh, but they're from this area. Um, so the idea from my perspective is if we can have players um, that are from this area that can put their head on their own pillow at night, um, it makes a lot of sense to do that. Um, and then the other half of the roster um, are from schools and coaches that I've known over the years that are looking to place their players. And, you know, from the, from the players' perspective, yeah, I know this. They, they really enjoy – uh, meeting guys that are playing different conferences, guys that are from different parts of the country, different life experiences, different backgrounds. Um, and that's, that's really, I think, for a lot of these guys, a big part of the joy of the experience that they, they get to play with kids from Texas, California, uh, Virginia, um, as well as kids that they competed against in high school in the area.
0: Doing some research, you're the owner and coach of the team? Uh, I am. I am. That's correct. With having, you know, both of those responsibilities and pretty much the whole production, do you do recruitment and do you hire, you know, people to do the PA and, you know, the stuff around the the baseball
3: field itself, all of those duties under your belt? Uh, Ultimately, they fall under my belt as the owner, but we break it into really uh, two faces of the operation. I'm extremely fortunate. I have a general manager, June Keeley, who's been with me for a couple of years who is just a rock star. Uh, A lot of uh, fans and businesses in the Illinois Valley have already met June and know June far better than they know me. But June takes care of all of the uh, non-baseball operations in terms of promotions, theme nights, uh, hiring staff, hiring PA announcers, putting the TV production, the live stream together. She does all of that. And uh, I literally could not exist or do this uh, with her uh, running that part of the operation, then I tend to focus on player recruitment and making sure that, you know, in league operations with scheduling and conflicts and other uh, ownership-related stuff. But with the net result, obviously, that, you know, to get them on the field and to be able to, to coach them up when we, when we get all the kids together. Um, and I've got a lot of background in, in coaching both at the high school and travel level as well as some player development stuff so i'm extremely comfortable between the lines and i'm very fortunate to have june
0: outside the lines running the show so in other words you're an owner and do owner things and hire people to help you
3: that's that's exactly (laughs) right that's exactly right (laughs) perfect (laughs) i delegate to elevate it's pretty so what i'm i know what you're good at and, and surround yourself with good people pretty simple formula Perfect.
1: Perfect.
0: You just mentioned, you know, been coaching all different levels. Let's uh, hear some of your resume and where you've been in your career path to where you're at now with the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp.
3: Yeah, I will. uh, Let's see. I'll I'll make it uh, as quick as I can. Um, So I'm I'm originally born and raised uh, in Michigan. I was born in Flint, Michigan, and grew up uh, just north of there in a uh, basically a farming community called Birch Run michigan and my father was always a high school baseball coach was a high school baseball coach for 35 years and you know like a lot of high school kids i played all the sports growing up always played baseball always loved baseball but i was actually better at football was recruited as a football player to dartmouth college so i went to dartmouth and played football for four years um i happened to go out uh, for the baseball team my freshman year played uh, played on the jb team my sophomore year i realized that uh the baseball team was really, really good. And I didn't know it at the time, but um, I knew, you know, I was there to play football, so I went and played football and had a, and had a great time doing that. But I had teammates who are good friends of mine, who are actually had teammates, the guys on the baseball team, the likes of Mike Remlinger, who, who would know would turn out to be the, the, the Giants' number one draft pick in 87, left-handed pitcher, Brad Osmus, who uh, was a couple years behind me was drafted by the Yankees out of high school, went on to catch in the major leagues for 16 years. Um, in the years that I was at Dartmouth, it turns out that six of my friends at school all signed uh, professional contracts, uh, and three of them made it to the major league. So I give myself a pass on not being able to compete uh, and be as good as I thought I was in baseball. Um, in hindsight, uh, based on the quality of guys uh, that Dartmouth had at the time, it was just a Tremendous run of years for Dartmouth baseball, uh, and I'm good friends with all those guys to this day. So from there, you know, eventually was transferred out to California, where I've been for the last 35 years, where I've raised my family. And like a lot of dads, you start at little league, you know, volunteer to coach little league, and the clock rolls by. Next thing you know, we're we're starting a travel ball organization, and next thing, shortly after that, I'm coaching uh, at the high school level. And I stepped away from coaching high school a few years ago. I did it again this year as an assistant coach. Uh, But I stepped away because I was doing more player development uh, with a lot of uh, guys that were uh, high school guys or or college guys. Uh, And so when the opportunity came to start a prospect league franchise in the Chicago area, my partner, who has a baseball academy in Naperville, we started, So that's really how we started the Pistol Shrimp, um, was to kind of continue our, our player development model with uh, the high school and college uh, athletes, and so it's kind of just taken off from there. So my focus now is full-time uh, on the Pistol Shrimp as a business, and really we feed a lot of our players to you know, different colleges and, and different uh, development areas around the country at this point. Did you ever think about coaching football after playing in college? You know, that's the crazy thing. Uh, That's a great question. The honest answer is I did not. I think about that a lot because I I love football. Uh, My sons play football. I absolutely love football. But if I were to be honest with myself, I know more about baseball or or I should say more about coaching baseball than I would or do about football um, at this point. I'd literally have to You know, go to some clinics, pick up the manual. I could dust it off and get there. But I've been doing baseball for so long uh, and going to ABCA conventions and learning from other coaches. And, you know, I coached in high school. I got to coach under Jesse Popper, who played, uh, was a pitcher for the San Francisco Giants, and Jerry Goff, who was uh, a catcher with the Montreal Expos and Pittsburgh Pirates. In fact, his son, Jared Goff, who was the quarterback for the Rams and now with the Lions, our good friends, uh, they all went to the same high school where I coached at in California. So um, I've just been around so many wonderful people in baseball and I've learned so much from baseball. Yeah, I've never really given it a second thought to uh, even volunteer coach for football. Uh, and part of it is my personality. Um, if I'm gonna do it, I gotta be all in. So I can't really just tip my toe in you know being a, uh, a part-time football assistant And so given that I'm committed to the Pistol Shrimp, uh, I really couldn't do it uh, on the home front to just be a full-time coach year-round in multiple sports, but that's a great question. I think about it uh, from time to time, but the reality is I'm a far better baseball coach than I am a football coach. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. It is weird how things work like that sometimes. Yeah, it really is. Just to know what kind of athlete you were, what was your position on the football field when you did play? (laughs)
3: <laughs> that's a trick question so I was recruited out of high school as a as a fullback and uh, and a linebacker i played both in high school going into my sophomore year uh, i ended up transitioning to nose guard simply because that was the area that the the roster was thinnest and it immediately put me in the lineup on the varsity um, and my whole goal your sophomore year is to make the travel squad and all that fun stuff. So uh, I transitioned to, uh, to nose guard and you know, I was an undersized nose guard at uh, 6'2", 235 and relied on my quickness to keep me alive. get teased all the time that I went you know, from a three-point stance as a fullback to, uh, to a four-point stance basically as a nose guard. So for those football coaches and fans out there, uh, the fact that I wasn't on two feet tells you all you need to know about my athletic ability. Earlier when we were talking about the
0: Pistol Shrimp, you mentioned some local guys. You had three local Illinois Valley guys on the squad, correct? Uh, yes, yep. Chancellor Sedich, Hall graduate, and then two LaSalle, Peru graduates and Jake Dahl and Nate Hackenberger, correct? That's right. How have they came in and helped the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp? You know, we're only four games in, but I know on the first game, Chancellor Sedich had three RBIs, that Had to be a huge, you know, boost for the Illinois Valley players.
3: Oh, absolutely! In fact, the other player I'd mention uh, is Mickey McDowell. Uh, he's a sophomore at Illinois Valley Community College. Um, doesn't live directly uh, in the valley anymore, but he's he's definitely one of those guys I consider uh, a local guy. But you'd mentioned Chance. Uh, Chance had a well of a game for us uh, at our Thursday opener. You know, we don't put in a, a a bunch of different plays and stuff at the beginning of the year because it's literally we have to make a lineup card and, and see who can do what. And so, my, you know, my, my first ask was, Chance, where can you play? Uh, and he said, Coach, I literally played everywhere except catcher. So I'll play wherever you need it. That was extremely helpful. One of the things we talked about in the locker room before that game, uh, just very briefly I'd mentioned to him when, uh, that in my view – A lot of wins and losses come down to the team that gets the two-out knock, the two-out RBI. um, That doesn't leave guys stranded. And Chase, if I recall correctly, actually had three RBIs that night, and I believe all three were two-out knocks. And that is huge, huge, huge. There's a difference between an RBI and a two-out RBI from a coach's perspective. The two-out RBI gives your team energy. It's deflating on defense when... You can't get that third out with the guy on second or third base. So he had a huge game for us. Uh, Mickey actually made some plays defensively that really turned my head. He got to some balls that I didn't think, you know, he was uh, uh, he was going to get to. Um, and and not only did he get to him, but but uh, he recovered very quickly and made a couple of a really nice throws. And also had a really good game offensively for us. Um, our pitcher was dealing that night, but that game was 1-0 until very late when. Uh, Chance got that uh, that two-out RBI for us. So uh, those guys have been great. All of our temporary contract players uh, have been awesome. Great human beings, great teammates. Uh, they value the experience. We, we literally would not be able to do this without those guys stepping up uh, and giving us uh, some quality time. And Jake Dahl pitched a couple innings for us on Saturday night. Um, Jake is still working his way back from Tommy John surgery a year and a half ago, just started to throw at the end of the season for Rockford where he goes to school. So we're not going to extend him too far early in the year, but he's a guy that I know is going to give us uh, quality innings and build over the course of the season. So we're really thrilled with him. And some of the other guys, like Christian Garcia is also a a catcher from Rockford where Jake goes to school, has ties to the area as well. So um, I noticed a, a number of fans Uh, talking with Christian on Saturday between games. Um, So I know he's got some local ties to the area as well.
0: Awesome. Very cool stuff. I have watched Chance and Jake and Nate pretty much their entire baseball careers as little kids and going up the high school ranks. So to see them on a team like this is huge props to them and staying in the gym and staying on the baseball field and doing what they need to to get to the next level.
3: Yeah, and actually, yeah, you had mentioned Nate. When I called Coach Good at uh, IBCC, uh, you know those were the guys that he sent over. But I, I asked him for character guys first, and guys that could play the game. He gave me guys that absolutely fit the bill. Uh, you know, Nate is primarily an outfielder. Um, uh, you saw guy pitch a little bit. So yesterday we had him in left field. We had him play third base, and we had him get us get us out of an inning pitching. So. We got to use him quite a bit. Again, those utility guys at this time of year when we don't have a full roster are huge for us. So I could not be uh, any happier with the effort that the local guys have been giving us. It's really really saved my bacon in a lot of ways.
0: Besides watching you know, college baseball on TV and stuff, my baseball knowledge is Illinois high school, is Illinois colleges, and for the most part, it does seem like every player can play first base, second base, shortstop, go in the outfield, or if they're a catcher, are a catcher in first base, or a catcher in third base. Do you see that all across the country, and that's kind of how it is, and players are versatile and can play everywhere?
3: Yeah, other than, you know, the, you know when, when some guys' uh, body type will, will limit them to a corner position maybe, but but yeah, you see that quite a bit, and you really, I mean, as a very broad statement, your most athletic guy tends to be your shortstop, and those shortstops short end up being outfielders and catchers and pitchers um, as they go up the chain uh, in the college ranks. Uh, but yeah, certainly at the high school level, you can move guys around quite a bit, but as you know, as you get into college and they specialize a little body type, we'll tend to uh, have guys gravitate towards one or two positions and kind of specialize in it, in it from there. Like if you look at our current roster, we've got Damon Castillo from uh, Benedictine, uh, our first baseman. And if you watch him, he doesn't even know who Andres Galarraga is. So when I call him Andres Galarraga, the big cat, he has no idea what I'm even talking about. Um, and but I just say, trust me, it's a compliment. Um, that's who he reminds me of. Extremely comfortable uh, at the plate, great knowledge of the strike zone, just oozes ball player when you see him in the field. You know, but he's not gonna be a shortstop, Isn't, you know, he's a first baseman, you know, that's where he'll end his days playing first. But we definitely uh, have a number of guys that can play different positions. In fact, a couple of the kids coming in from uh, from Iowa, Sam Link and Andy Nelson, both are infield, outfield guys. So, that'll give us a lot a lot of flexibility as well. One
0: more question about the team before we play a game, because every guest on Edge of Podcast, we, ha- we have... Like- <laughs> but real quick about the Illinois Pistol Shrimp. I had asked you about uh, press passes, and you said not having people pay for tickets because of the weird year we're having. How... Has that come about, and how was the fan participation or fan show-out on the home opener on Saturday?
3: Uh, Great question. So, yeah, what we really didn't talk about is how quickly this came together. You know, where we were located at Benedictine University, fantastic stadium, fantastic people. Uh, Unfortunately, uh, DuPage County Department of Health had determined that they were not going to allow fans this summer so uh, we had to find another place to play, literally, or we had to not play this year at all. And the idea of not playing after last year and having to tell 32 guys that we're not able to field the team because we don't have a location just was not, not an option for me. So uh, I had to find a place to play, literally pulled out Google Earth and started going west on Highway 80 looking for ball fields and came across uh, Peru, saw a couple of ball fields, zoomed down, saw that the ball fields had lights, had never heard of Peru, Illinois, called the park and rec department, got a hold of Adam Thorson, who's the park and rec director. Uh, and literally in that phone call, Adam said, we'd love to have a prospect league baseball team here. Uh, let me talk to the mayor and I'll give you a call back. And that's, it literally happened that quickly. So we came out here and the city, uh, to their credit, it said, look, we want this first year to be free for our fans. We want to make sure that we get the park as nice as we can get it, as playable as we can get it. Everyone's operating under a time crunch. Um, so that's how all that came together. It's a public park, and the, the, the city of Peru wanted to maintain that. But also, uh, you know, my, my sense from the city, uh, from the alderman is uh, given the, the, the tough year we all as a country have been coming through, the idea of just putting something on the table and, and making it free and community-based uh, had a lot of appeal to all of us. So that, that's what it was born from. It was really from the city wanting to say, let's really do this right and open this up to the community and make it as super affordable and accessible as we can to build some momentum uh, going forward. So with that, uh, on our home opener, the police chief told uh, my general manager, June, Uh, that they had counted 497 cars in the parking lot. And by their estimates, the attendance was between uh, 1,500 and and 1,700 people, uh, the way they do it. So I'll call it on the low end 1,500 people, uh, which is fantastic, absolutely fantastic. We're still working out the kinks. We're still getting the word out. But the fact that we had so many people in attendance helped in large part by a lot of the local media and radio stations and our, our business sponsors who've been helping promote. Um, so we were super excited with the attendance. We're fired up over the, the theme nights that we'll be doing this year. And we'll be introducing more and more things uh, as we get into it. The things that we do in between the innings, uh, fun things for the fans to do. We'll start to thread in more and more of that stuff and do a few more uh, special theme night promotions. Uh, as
0: we get into it at edge of your seat podcast, we like to round up. So instead of 15,
3: we'll just say 1800. Does that work? I like that works. <laughs> that works. That works. Uh, now we're, yeah, that, uh, that absolutely works. You won't get any complaints uh, from us at all. And the other thing that, that, that you know, I'll mention uh, Brandon is June and her staff introduced, uh, you know, our mascot is South Claw Sam. So the currency we use are claw chips. So when fans come into the ballpark, they're exchanging cash or credit card, and they're buying claw chips. Uh, and the claw chips, uh, uh, as a result of Soku Credit Union, as a sponsor that provided the, the, the claw chips, that's what we're using to buy all the merchandise, the hot dogs, the beer, you know, anything inside the ballpark. And then the fans, if they do take them home, the businesses, our business partners in the community um, are accepting the claw chips as currency. We uh, end up cashing out our vendor partners um, either that night or, or once a week at their place of business. So when fans do come to the ballpark, make sure you go to the claw chip stand to exchange your cash uh, for some claw chips, to buy your beer, to buy your hot dog, to buy your popcorn, to buy your program. We thought we would have some hiccups rolling that out last Saturday. It actually worked surprisingly well. Plug to June and her staff uh, for anyone listening to the podcast. Be on the lookout for claw chips. I might
0: just go to the bank, take my life savings out, and just change it in for claw chips. Does that work?
3: It works. It absolutely works. And it's it's cash. Uh, it's absolutely backed. Uh, they they work. We've got t-shirts. We've got koozies. We've got anything, uh, anything, and everything, including a lot of great promotions. Uh, our vendor partners. The distillery is doing a special craft drink available at the ballpark so your life savings will not get wasted i promise you brandon they will not go will not get wasted we'll probably put a a sign for you up in center field (laughs) perfect i don't know how much those five
0: dollars or five dollars of you know claw shirts (laughs) will get me but hopefully it's a lot
3: absolutely absolutely (laughs) it will get you the love and admiration and at least a signed ball by South Claw sam
0: oh that sounds awesome That sounds awesome. Did want to ask you, since you had mentioned, you know, came to Peru because couldn't play at Benedictine because of their regulation with COVID-19, what kind of Long term, short term. How long do you plan on staying in this area? Is this, if this first year works out, is Peru somewhere you'd want to stick around, or is this kind of renting a ballpark, getting some, you know, energy, some enthusiasm around your team, and then trying to keep that going wherever you guys go to next?
3: That's a really fair and honest question. Is really the six hundred pound gorilla in the room, and you know, we've been consistent in our response to that, and as I noted earlier, uh, uh, the folks have been addicting through no, no fault of their own. You know, this was kind of forced upon them. They've been nothing but gracious in this entire process. Uh, and obviously they, they would they would like to have us back. Um, at the same time, we've been consistent with them and, and with everybody that we do not want to, as a business, we need to find a long-term home. And we need to be able to build a fan base Uh, and really be a mesh point in the community for fans and businesses to come together and celebrate community uh, and to celebrate uh, uh, baseball. Um, And so uh, for me wearing my business owner hat, it's a fairly simple equation. If we continue to get 1,500 people and the support that we've gotten so far from the community, both from businesses and fans, it is very much our intent and desire to put some very deep roots in the Illinois Valley. And that's just being as, as transparent and, and as straightforward as I can be. The work that we have to do, and if, if you look at the Prospect League website, you will see a link to uh, the stadiums of all the 16 teams in the Prospect League. We're extremely grateful to be able to play at Veterans Park, because the alternative was to not play baseball at all. Having said that, the other 15 teams in the league all have true baseball stadiums. If you go to Clinton, Iowa, if you go to Burlington, Iowa, you know those are those are clubs that got contracted for Major League Baseball. Those are minor league facilities that have literally put millions of dollars into their stadiums. Uh, likewise, when you see other stadiums. Uh, in the Prospect League. so the long-term answer to your question is it is our intent to stay here, but we know we're gonna have to uh, make some significant uh, facility upgrades um, and or look you know look at some point at uh, putting a stadium. That's our expectation. Um, and, and frankly, uh, you know I'll be honest my gut and and I've only been, uh, in the region a handful of times up until last week when I moved in full time. Uh, my sense from this community is, you know, if we do it right and really make the community know that we're here to stay, I, my sense is the folks in the Illinois Valley are not going to be happy with having field that's a field and not a stadium on par with the other uh, other facilities in the prospect league. You know, and I'm saying that whether it's improving Veterans Park, you know, making that more of a stadium um, or, or, you know, looking somewhere else in Peru to put a stadium up, um, those are conversations that have to happen, um, and they'll start to happen probably towards the end of this month. But it's not a conversation that we're having right now because, you know, we want to get into the season and get the momentum going. But I'm actually uh, glad you asked the question because, it gives me an opportunity to once again address it with the community that we have a lot invested emotionally, financially, spiritually into this place. We want to make it work here and everything we have felt and heard and seen from people, city, fans, businesses back at us is we want you to stay here. We want to make it work. So um, in that spirit, that's that's how I will answer that question. I appreciate
0: the honest answer. Thank you. You're welcome. But I, I totally agree with you. As a person that's lived in the Illinois Valley for a majority of my 35 years, I know tons of people that would love to see a... Top notch stadium with a top notch team that we could go to a game any day we want to in the summer and feel like we're at a ballpark and join a game with a beer with a hot dog. I know thousands of people that would sign up and say, "Coach, do your thing, put a stadium here, bring a team." We would want that. Tons of us.
3: Yeah, yeah, and you know, and my, you know, again, not to get ahead of ourselves, but uh, my sense is that is best accomplished by a. Public-private partnership in in some form uh, or fashion. So, you know, I know that's the, the certainly our long-term plan. Uh, and I know there's good people, both from the city of Peru's perspective uh, and in the business community, that uh, you know are, are certainly open to that uh, that idea. Well, I hit you with some hard baseball
0: questions. Let's get to a game. Hopefully, I don't hit you with as hard a questions, but it is hot potato. So, hopefully, you got some gloves on.
3: I got the gloves on, I'm, I'm not afraid to swing and miss, so, so I'll get back in the batter's box if I play but come at me with hot potato.
0: All right, let's do this. On the baseball field, as a coach, are you more offense, so at the plate, or defense? Offense. As a coach, you have an opportunity to steal a base. Are you going to steal or not steal?
3: I get to answer this question with a long-winded answer. I always want our base runners to steal bases with the attitude of, i got to do whatever it takes to get to the next base. Having said that, if you saw our game Saturday, uh, it's literally Wrigley Field with the wind blowing out. You don't really need to steal a base because you're you're in scoring position uh, from first base when the wind's blowing out. But in a normal night, like we hope Wednesday will be, by all means, we're going to be stealing bases. LeBron James, Michael Jordan. Oh, come on. That's so easy. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan. Is is it Michael Jordan? (laughs) California guy. Kobe Bryant. Magic Johnson. Really Michigan guy. Uh, So that's a tough one. That is a great one. Because if you know Magic Johnson, he's from Saginaw, Michigan. And I'm from Saginaw County. So i got to do number 32 right in Coach Judd Heathcote. So um, i got to say Magic Johnson. Anaheim Angels, Los Angeles Dodgers. I live in Northern California. Uh, I used to be a San Francisco Giants season ticket holder. My children are diehard Giants fans, so uh, I cannot anybody but the Dodgers. Put put any team you want next to the Dodgers, and that's what I'm going to take.
0: There are so many teams in California. I could have done this with like six of them. Is there six teams or exactly. five teams? Exactly. Uh,
3: San Diego, Los Angeles, Los Angeles, San Francisco has four teams. Yeah, so I could have done it. I
0: guess three, four, five three different ways. Three teams. You yeah, have to pick three of them. Yep. <laughs> perfect. Perfect. Coke or Pepsi. Coke. Steak or chicken. Steak. How do you like your steak done? Rare to medium rare. Got to have the pink, right? Got to have the pink. And last but not least, Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp colors, orange or black?
3: Ooh, I like our particular Pantone of orange. I'm going to go orange. I
0: have seen the jerseys and the mascot. I, I like it, too. I like the orange.
3: Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, there's actually you know there's different flavor oranges. It's supposed to be the uh, Miami Hurricane orange because uh, we used to be those are uh, the color palette is from Adidas. Our uniforms are from Adidas, so that's that's where that color comes from.
0: And one last question before I let you go, Coach. I asked Jake Dahl when I had him on the show. What exactly is a pistol shrimp?
3: That's a great question. I would encourage everyone to Google it. Google it because. It's fascinating. It's actually a real creature. It's a tiny little shrimp uh, that primarily lives in coral reefs, but there is a a freshwater shrimp, so we cannot rule it out of the Illinois River just yet. Uh, But a pistol shrimp, it's only one or two inches long. It has that unique feature where it has one huge claw. The reason it's called a pistol shrimp is it actually, its claw draws back like a hammer on a pistol and it fires what's called a cavitation bubble, uh, which is this air bubble, uh, and that's what kills its prey and causes the snap, uh, this loud sound. The cavitation bubble is the temperature of the sun, so it stuns its prey, uh, and then it casually walks up and and consumes its prey. But when that air bubble collapses, that cavitation bubble collapses, that's where the snap comes from, and when they're in a colony, They are so loud, they're considered the second loudest animal in the ocean outside of the beluga whale. And if you believe what you find on the Internet, uh, they can even screw up uh, the Navy's uh, underwater sonar when they're rocking and rolling in a colony. So fact check me on all of that. Uh, I claim no firsthand knowledge of it. I believe my sources and a lot of it's from the Shedd Aquarium. There's a lot of fighting characteristics, which which we like in the ball club.
0: That is awesome. I'm glad you did your research. Man, that sounds very fascinating. I am going to get on Google, the Google machine, as soon as I get off of the phone with you thank you very very much for joining edge of your seat podcast the truthful answers i know i give you some hard questions but i was very very curious and wondering what was going on with the pistol shrimp so happy you're here i'm definitely going to check out some games you're going to see me whether i have to have a press pass or not i will be there to watch some games thank you again coach john jack and mick appreciate you joining us you're very welcome. Thanks for having me and look forward to seeing you out at a game. Last time I seen this guy, we were in the Y, getting buff, getting swole. He was trying to teach me some things. I was trying to act like I knew everything, because that's what I do. But always a pleasure speaking with him, and he's got some things going on in the baseball world. So I had to get him on Edge of Your C Podcast. So my guest today, Hall graduate attending Blackhawk, playing baseball there, now a member of the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp, Chancellor Resetich, what is going on, my dude? Nothing much, man. How's it going? It is going well. Trying to figure out this deal with my car, I took the phone off of my Bluetooth, and now Tupac is playing in the background, so we got a Tupac episode here, too. Uh, Nothing wrong with that. Nothing, nothing, man. So let's just start with the pistol shrimp you are a member of the team we're about five games in the very first season opener on the road you hit three rbis helped the team win that had to be a monster awesome feeling for you
4: oh yeah it was it was great i actually got to play against my uh previous teammate at Blackhawk, so that was fun winning against him and he was my roommate actually so that was cool who's that Drew Davis, he played third base for the Corn Belters, so that was funny. Just talking to him back and forth the whole game because he was by the third base dugout. Just letting him hear it, it was funny. It's fun, too. Is a that's... whole
0: teammate of yours Brant Vanneman on the Corn Belters?
4: No, he plays in the KCL. That's the four-team league at uh, the Corn Trip. But that's not a prospect at all. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. gotcha. Yeah. That would be fun playing against Brant, too. We were supposed to play Parkland this year. But it got rained out so what does it mean to you to be able
0: to play at that level i mean you're in a college prospect league that's got to be a you know accomplishment and showing you you know what your abilities what you're doing on the baseball field means to other people
4: it's awesome Uh, it really shows everyone can play there's no one lagging at all it's always everyone's full go Glad to see, two everyone from each level of the divisions of college playing, too, at a very high level. Especially, too, with wood bats, it's different, and it's, it makes the game really fun and competitive.
0: When did you know that this was going to be a possibility for you to play with the Pistol Shrimp?
4: Through my spring season, I was trying to figure out what I was going to do this summer, talking to my head coach, and I was also talking to Matt McDonald and stuff. The opportunities and I heard this team was coming to Illinois Valley and I was going to try to play for it. But right off the bat, I didn't really get in much connection with the head coach at all until about the end of this, towards the end of the spring season. How did it go after you did, you
0: know, speak with coach John Jackamick, who is also the owner of the team and, you know, set it up where, you know, now you're playing on the team?
4: It went good. Um, he offered me a temporary contract which I was fine with because I already had a lot of ABs throughout the spring season. And I just wanted to work on a few things before all his uh, full contract players come come back. So nothing wrong with that at all, for me at least, to say. Because I, uh, I still got to work on a lot of things without playing the game. But, like, with, with playing the game, it helps a lot working on some of the stuff that I need to work on.
0: Awesome. Good stuff, man. How has it been working with these players or being on the same team with them i know you know a couple of them there's a couple of the south peru guys and jake Dahl and nate hackenberger but a lot of the other dudes are from everywhere
4: yeah it's awesome it's quick like friendships i guess you can say no one really button heads at all which is awesome it's easy to get along with these guys all there to play baseball and compete so it's easy to get along with it's fun too because they want to win i want to win and that's just how it usually goes
0: I saw in the first game the season opener you were in the nine slot in the batting order I've seen you in the five I've seen you in the six how has it been moving up and down the batting order
4: um it's nothing new to me I, my whole life I've hit in probably every spot in the batting order not gonna lie to you so I mean yeah it's really nothing new to me but I I enjoy batting everywhere else it's fun it, it teaches you like what pitches to start looking for in certain counts because, like, you're will you hitting probably more at the bottom of the order. You're going to look and see more fastballs, depending on what kind of hitter you are. Early in the uh, batting order, you'll still see more fastballs, middle of the order, probably more off speed. So it's nice seeing different pitches, different counts, especially when you're playing teams that don't really know you. They just assume what kind of hitter you are. So they're just giving you those pitches.
0: So knowing what could happen, that's definitely a heads up for you.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's fun, too. I love competing, so that just makes it even more fun. Definitely. Talking to Coach
0: Jack and Mick, he said, you know, he asked you where you could play on the field, and you are like, pretty much anywhere except catcher. Never done that anywhere else. So it sounds like whether you're batting or on the field, you're ready to go wherever.
4: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I've played every position my whole life. So, I mean, I don't know why not just keep doing that because, I mean, it just gives me more opportunities to play.
0: Yeah, if you can play
4: eight of the nine spots,
0: (laughs) that's going to give you way more possibilities. Oh, yeah. Except pitcher, I can't
4: pitch. My arm probably fall
0: off. Oh, you can't give him a good inning?
4: Maybe a good inning, that's about it, and then that's it for my arm. Hey, if
0: Anthony Rizzo can do it, you can do it. (laughs) Yeah, maybe.
2: (laughs) For sure, for sure.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, you know, your last season at Blackhawk. Seems like you were doing awesome. If I remember right, you were all-conference member? Yeah, I was all-conference, yeah. All-region, too. Congratulations, my man. Thank you, thank you. What did you do differently, or what did you do this season to, you know, give you that prestige, that level of play to get noticed by the whole conference and the region?
4: Oh, uh, we actually, like, we practice a lot every day, three hours a day. I mean, sometimes three hours a day, but at least two every day, six 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 times a week. We hit for an hour, we field for an hour, and the same thing every day. We get in a nice routine. So, you know what? You have to bring to practice every day, and if you're not giving it 100%, you're obviously not going to get better. And that's what I really worked on. I've really worked on my focus, bringing a 100% every day, and that allowed me to actually get better
0: and see results. So, focusing on what you're trying to do and making sure your head is not doing anything else except focusing on baseball, that's helped you?
4: Yes, a lot, actually. From growing up, and not taking it super serious to now taking it super serious, it really shows how much better you can get in a year by actually taking it seriously and giving it your all.
0: Was that your first all-conference, all-region nod this season? Oh Yeah, this is my first college year, so yeah. I forget with the uh, COVID-19, whether you're a freshman or sophomore. I mean, at this point, you could be in – juco ball for like three or four years because of covid
2: yeah
4: uh i'm actually going back for another year to finish up my sophomore season athletically but i'll be a junior academically so i'll be taking classes for my major okay where are you taking those classes
0: at is it still at blackhawk or at a different school yeah it's still at blackhawk okay
4: they'll just transfer over gotcha where do you plan to transfer after Blackhawk? Um, It all depends. Whoever gives me the best opportunity uh, to play and fit into their system, that's how I fit into the Blackhawk system. So I want to keep continuing my success at the higher level as much as possible.
0: Gotcha. Gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So it's kind of wherever you get an opportunity to play baseball to the best of your abilities, that's where you're going.
4: Oh, yeah, and I want to win too, so that's – That's definitely a big decision factor right there. And playing baseball is a must.
0: Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Good stuff. So you're like, man, school's cool. I will do it, but I want to play baseball as well.
4: Yeah, that's the big reason why I'm in school is to play baseball. But school's definitely more important. But baseball's pretty much the deciding factor. Well, Chance, Every
0: guest on Edge of Your Seat Podcast, we have play a game. When we had Coach John Jackamick on, he played a game of hot potato. We're going to play a hot potato with you. Are you ready for this? Oh, yeah. I'm always ready. LeBron James, Michael Jordan. I'm going to have to go with LeBron James all day. All day, even? Yeah, all day. As a baseball player, on the field or at the plate, which do you like better?
4: Um, When I was younger... It was definitely in the field. I love making plays, but now I love hitting. So I, it kind of
0: switched. I didn't so. mention this, and I should have mentioned this. I've heard that you've gotten bigger. Stayed in the gym, been killing the weights. I've heard that you're a lot bigger than you used to be. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So that probably plays a little portion <laughs> into picking batting over fielding. Well,
4: I mean – it's just the competitive spirit between the pitcher and the hitter, I think, a little bit more. Like, if you beat the pitcher, it's just an extra, I don't know, like extra add of confidence to your game. But if the pitcher beats you, it's like you've got to wait now until your next A-B to even get another shot in. That's why I like the aspect of hitting a lot more than fielding now. But still love playing defense. I love making plays. That's my f- probably the most exciting thing about it.
0: Obviously, baseball season,
4: we're in the Chicagoland area. Cubs, White Sox? Uh, I'm going to have to go with the Sox. They're fun to watch, really fun team to watch. Cubs are also fun, but uh, it's kind of the same team that's been there for years. But Sox are really fun to watch this year, and I love I love watching them. If somebody asks you,
0: you know, any time of your life, what's your favorite team? Who's your favorite baseball team?
4: This is a hard one. I, I don't know. I really don't have a favorite baseball team. I just love watching baseball. It's hard to just pick a certain team. I don't know. I'm kind of a, like a player guy. So players bounce around. I, I like that player. I like this player. I don't really have a certain favorite team.
0: Okay. Okay. Chris Bryant,
4: Anthony Rizzo. That's a hard one. They're both two likable guys. I to go Rizzo. Rizzo's way more just... Just a good baseball player. I mean, they both are, but I have to go with Rizzo.
0: Tim Anderson,
4: Jose Abreu. Definitely Tim Anderson. I love his swagger. Probably my favorite shortstop in the league.
0: Mine too. I'd have to say mine too. Yeah. Tim Anderson, Anthony Rizzo. Tim Anderson. He takes a cake. He's your favorite Chicago player? Oh, yeah. Just because we like to, you know, ask other stuff than sports on here. If you're going on a vacation, Jamaica, Hawaii. Uh, I'm about to go with Hawaii. If you're traveling, plane or
4: boat? Um, if it's a cruise, definitely a boat. But I'd uh, just take a plane and get there. I it. Off.
0: For sure. Because sure. you're an
4: athlete. Gatorade or Powerade? What flavor? What kind? Either.
0: Ooh. Uh, we'll go blue. the glacier
4: for the Gatorade yeah I'll definitely take blue Gatorade over blue Powerade that's the only reason why I went
0: with that because the glacier is awesome
4: yeah but purple purple Powerade is probably my favorite sports drink definitely yeah
0: well thanks for playing a game of hot potato and joining Edge of Your Sea podcast man really happy with everything that you're doing and your grinder, competitor, and it's obviously showing with Blackhawk and with the Illinois Valley Pistol Shrimp. Thanks again, Chance. Appreciate it. Yep, no problem.